But I want to start with the trade deadline, and I want to start with the NBA because today is one of the biggest days in, in all of American sports, right? The trade deadline. The NFL, you see some moves. Major League Baseball is typically exciting, but the NBA it can get really weird. It can get really, really crazy. I, I think we only had one normal, predictable move today, and that was the Clippers and the Knicks. They, they did what you normally see at all trade deadlines. The Clippers, who are contending for a championship, traded a young player and a draft pick for a veteran. And you see that all the time, right? They traded Mo Harkless and a 2020 first-round pick for Marcus Morris. That's about the only normal trade that went down today. It's about the only one. And you see this all the time. In baseball, teams will trade away prospects for a pitcher, for a reliever, right? They'll, they'll take future players or future assets and turn them into current help for a championship run. You see these moves a lot. There weren't a lot of them during this NBA trade deadline. Just the one, the Clippers and the Knicks. Marcus Morris, a veteran, to help the Clippers on their playoff run. Other than that move, a lot of these trades are odd, and they they take a little bit of thought and a little bit of research to try to understand. And and, and you look at a lot of these moves, and you're like, okay, I, I guess that's interesting. That could be good for both teams. I could be bad for both teams. A lot of weird trades, a lot of unorthodox trades. So there are a couple that are they're actually really interesting. And the theme from today's NBA trade deadline and this whole week, because there's action and there's conversations going on in the week leading up to the trade deadline, even months to the trade deadline at some at some seasons. I think a lot of these teams really overvalued their assets. I think a lot of these teams expected to get a haul for their players and and for their their their. Uh, you know, players that were on the trading block and they really didn't get a whole lot of anything. I think two of the most interesting trades, one involving the Pistons and one involving the Timberwolves. So let's start with the Pistons. They traded their franchise player, Andre Drummond, to the Cavaliers. And Andre Drummond has filled up a stat sheet for years now. He is a rebound machine. He's great underneath. He kind of controls the paint. You'd think that if the Pistons were to deal Andre Drummond, that they'd get some sort of good compensation back, right? Some good picks or developing players. No, they didn't, they didn't really get anything. They got John Henson and Brandon Knight and a second-round pick. That's all they got for Andre Drummond. Which, by the way, the, the, the Pistons are kind of turning into the former Bucks. They have Tony Snell, Thon Maker, Brandon Knight, John Henson, Christian Wood. They, they are the Milwaukee Bucks, but just kind of like the, the, the beat. They're the B team. <laughs> they're the B team. The, with all the players that weren't good enough to hack it on the current Bucks team, which, yeah, that's probably why the Bucks uh, have won 43 games. Andre Drummond, their franchise player for John Henson, Brandon Knight, and a second round pick. Isn't that one of the weirdest trades you've ever heard described to you? The Pistons really didn't get anything in return, and the Cavaliers really have no reason to take Andre Drummond. It's a trade that I don't really understand. Maybe it was a trade where both general managers kind of said, you know what, what the hell? Let's see what this, let's see what this does. Let's try it. What the hell? Really, really weird trade. The biggest, most interesting trade, I think, is the Timberwolves actually trading Andrew Wiggins. And it's something that people have been suggesting, saying the, the Wolves need to move on from Wiggins. They need to find a way to trade Wiggins. But you never really expected it to happen. Well, it finally happened. It actually happened. The Wolves traded Andrew Wiggins for D'Angelo Russell, a 2020 first and second round pick, and two players, uh, two role players, Amari Spellman and and Jacob Evans. Let's focus more on D'Angelo Russell and the draft picks. 
the Wolves traded away Wiggins, who is, you know, their former first overall pick. Well, I guess he came from Cleveland, so not their pick, but their star. Their guy who was going to compliment Carl Anthony Towns was going to be part of this rebuild, but it never really worked out. They shipped him to Golden State, and they also had to throw in draft picks because Andrew Wiggins is making a lot of money, and Golden State is like, well, look, if we're going to take Wiggins and we're going to take that money, you need to you need to throw in some draft picks. So the Wolves did. I don't know if this move immediately improves either team. This year, I don't think the, the Warriors are any better with Wiggins than they would have been with Russell. And I don't know if the Wolves are going to be much better with Russell than they would be with Wiggins. Maybe the fit is a little better. I think Andrew Wiggins is going to he's going to be asked to be the third option behind Steph and behind Clay. So he'll have less, less pressure, better opportunities to score and do his thing, which I think will work out well for Andrew Wiggins. D'Angelo Russell, I don't know. I love D'Angelo Russell. I think he's fun. I think he's exciting. And I think he's entertaining. I also think all of those things about Trey Young, but the Hawks are garbage. They've won 14 games. I don't know if D'Angelo Russell translates to winning games and winning and and making the playoffs. Think of it this way. D'Angelo Russell is 23 years old. He's been in the league for five years. This is his fourth team. This is his fourth team. And the Warriors, who are better at recognizing talent than most organizations in the league. Bob Myers did a great job in the draft of Steph and Clay and Draymond and, and found a way to make all these players work. They have a good eye for talent. They had D'Angelo Russell for a couple of months and they said, oh, we're good. I don't know if the Wolves get better and I don't know if the Warriors get better. I think a year from now, both of these franchises have an opportunity to get better. I also think the Wolves needed to do something because Carl Anthony Towns is unhappy and they needed to do something to improve their situation with their superstar, Cat and and Carl Anthony Towns is a good friend to D'Angelo Russell. I, I think it probably betters the situation, even if they don't start winning games. And I think a year from now, the Warriors and the Wolves will both be in a better spot. But as for right now, I, I, I don't really know if either one of these teams get better. Some of these trades are really, really weird. And the theme, a lot of these teams overvalued their assets or what they thought to be assets. And fans overvalued some of these players. The Pistons, they needed to grease the wheels to get the Cavs to take Andre Drummond. Like, think of it this way. The Pistons probably got on the phone and said, hey, we want to trade Andre Drummond. You know, we'll take a, we'll take a first-round pick. We'll take some expiring deals. You know, what can you offer for Andre Drummond, our franchise player? And the Cavs on the other end of the line said, no, 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 no. You're not trading us an asset. We'll take him off your hands, but you, you got to include a draft pick you got to take some of these high-priced contracts. It's very, very weird. It, it would be like if the Packers called another team and said, hey, look, we want to trade Aaron Rodgers. Uh, we'll take first-round picks. We'll take this. We'll take that. And the general manager on the other side no, 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 said, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. We'll take Aaron Rodgers off your hands, but you have to also give us a draft pick. You have to give us a couple other things. Now, look, Aaron Rodgers, relative to the rest of his league, is much better than Andre Drummond. But the Pistons put their star player on the trading block their star player, their franchise, and they had to convince the Cavaliers to take him. A really, really, really weird trade deadline. Especially with the Wolves, with the Warriors, with the Pistons, with the Cavs. The Hawks traded for two centers. They traded for Clint Capella and Dwayne Dedman. They already have John Collins. Meanwhile, the Rockets are trading away all of their centers, and they're only bringing in shooters. P.J. Tucker is going to play center. Really, really, really weird couple of days. And some of these teams are trying some interesting things. 
it's going to be fun to watch it play out the next couple of weeks. And especially in the case of the Warriors and then the Wolves, we're not going to see this trade play out until probably next season, especially for the for the Warriors. Really, really interesting. What I want to focus on for the rest of the show is the state of Wisconsin, the Wisco Sports Show. That's the show, after all. How do the trades in this trade deadline impact the Milwaukee Bucks? Well, there's really only one trade that I believe to directly impact the Milwaukee Bucks, and that was made by the Miami Heat. We'll talk about that move and talk about where the Bucks stand post-trade deadline. Coming up next, the Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY. Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY. Happy trade deadline day. Thanks for hanging out. You're spending uh, the NBA trade deadline day in the right place here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out. This has been one of the more interesting trade deadline days in my life. Typically, here's how the trade deadline day goes. Contending teams look at tanking teams and they say, we'll take a veteran We'll take an experienced player for all for our playoff run, and we'll give you draft picks. We'll give you young players. And you see that in baseball. You see that in football. Not so much. Not a lot of trades like that, your traditional trade deadline trade. We didn't see a lot of those. We saw the Clippers acquire Marcus Morris. That's about it. Other than that, there's just a lot of unorthodox trades, things that you need to try to figure out. Do a little bit of research. Look at the salary. Look at the, the 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 contracts of these players. It's been a it's been a weird trade deadline day, and I'm reading. I'm trying to figure some of these trades out, and I just for the life of me can't. What I want to talk about is how some of these trades actually impact the Bucks, because as I just said, this is the Wisco Sports Show. As interesting as I find the Atlanta Hawks now acquiring three different centers for some unknown reason, I find that fascinating. But it doesn't really matter to the Bucks. Because the Hawks are garbage. They've won, what, 13 games? 14 games? How do some of these trades impact the Bucks? So you, you got to look at the closest competition to the Milwaukee Bucks. I think the Bucks' biggest obstacles to making the NBA Finals, to getting out of the Eastern Conference, are the Celtics, the Sixers, and the Heat. I was watching these teams today. None of them really did anything. None of them did enough to pull even with Milwaukee. Some of those teams got closer. I think the Sixers and the Heat got closer to the Bucks, but I don't think it's close enough. I still think the Bucks are substantially better than those teams. The Eastern Conference sits as such. The Bucks are leading 43 and 7. They're six and a half games above the Raptors, who are the second seed, then the Celtics, then the Heat, then the Pacers, then the Sixers. And yeah, the Nets and the Magic are also in the picture, but they really don't matter as far as I'm concerned, at least right now. And I know the Raptors are in the two seed, but I think they're an overachieving team and a team that the Bucs will be able to handle should they meet up in the playoffs. I'm more interested in the Celtics, or the Celtics, the Sixers, and the Heat. Now, Philadelphia, they added shooting. They traded Alec, for Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson from Golden State. Which, yeah, it makes sense to add shooting, but I think the trade deadline and those trades that the Sixers made, it really speaks to where they are as a team and as an organization. They don't have an identity. Like, the Sixers don't know what kind of offensive team they are. They can't play their two superstars at the same time. They can't play Simmons and Embiid at the same time. And they can't really play Horford and Embiid at the same time. At least it's kind of clunky. So they're trying to figure out what kind of offensive team they are. And basically they said, well, we need to do something. Well, let's just find guys who can shoot. Let's get a couple shooters. So they brought in Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson. 
who are fine. I, I think the Alec Burks thing is being a little bit overplayed. He's been on three teams in like the last two months. Like, of course, he was balling out in Golden State. It's a G League team, except for D'Angelo Russell, who is now on the Timberwolves. So it speaks to the state of Philly. They don't really know what's going on. They don't really have an identity. So they said, screw it. We got to do something. Let's just add some three-point shooters and see if it works. So they added Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson. That makes them slightly better. It makes them deeper. But I don't think it puts them on the same level as the Bucks. In fact, I don't think it even gets them close. The Celtics, the Celtics are my favorite trade deadline team because we have this yearly tradition of the Celtics doing nothing except coming out after a trade has been made and saying, well, the Celtics almost made this trade, but they got hung up on this player. They couldn't come to an agreement. It happened a couple of years ago with Jimmy Butler. It happened last year with Anthony Davis. And it happened again this year with Andre Iguodala and Clint Capella. It's one of my favorite traditions because the Celtics almost make every move. And then there's always a tweet or a leak after the fact that says, well, they were hung up on this player. This is the reason why they didn't do it. They're actually, the Celtics are actually the Milwaukee Brewers. Of, of of the NBA. They're in on every conversation. They just, they don't really have a habit of ever pulling the trigger. And I think it's funny because people get bent out of shape every year. Well, of course they were close again. Of course, that's what I do with the Brewers, so I can't really hate. The only move and the only team that I think made a move to really better their chances against the Bucks or tried to make a move to better their chances, that's the Miami Heat. I'm actually most concerned about the Miami Heat, more so than the Celtics, more so than the Sixers. I think the Sixers are dysfunctional and they don't have an identity and they're immature. I think the Celtics, while they're a good team and they're well coached, I think kind of like the Raptors, they're overachievers and I think they have a hard ceiling. I think Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are good. I don't think they're Giannis. I don't think they're even Jimmy Butler. I don't think they're Joel Embiid. They'll win a lot of games and they'll and they'll give you a tough fight, but they're not on the level of the Bucs. The Heat, on the other hand, are interesting. Because Jimmy Butler is a dog. And the Heat at every level are stepping up and overachieving. And they play defense. And Coach Bolster has been there, done that. The Heat might worry me most. And they made probably the most intriguing trade of the deadline. They gave up Deion Waiters, James Johnson, and Justice Winslow for Andre Iguodala. Now, they also got Solomon Hill and Jay Crowder. But the big piece in that move is Andre Iguodala who is the 2015 Finals MVP. We know him because he's been on the Golden State Warriors playing alongside Stephen Clay and then along KD. He's defended LeBron, or at least people think he does a good job defending LeBron, even though LeBron averages like 27, 28 points when playing the Warriors. Nonetheless, not only did they trade for Andre Iguodala, but they immediately extended him two years, $30 million. And everybody got all excited. Oh, Iggy, he's got that championship pedigree. He's been there, done that. He can play defense. He can he can give this Heat team what it needs. And everybody got really excited. I really don't think he helps that much. Now, similar to what the Bucs did with Pau Gasol last year, maybe he can teach the young guys a little bit of something, of how to prepare, how to watch film, how to handle the atmosphere of a playoff game. But in terms of on-court performance and contribution... I really don't think he helps that much. He's 36 years old. He has over 1,100 career games played and a lot of postseason games the last couple of years. And postseason games, they put even more wear and tear on your body because you're playing harder defense, right? You're running the floor. Every second matters. There's no rest time in the postseason. Andre Iguodala is old, and and, and those tires are worn down. What's the the cliche everybody loves? There's not a lot of tread left on the tires. Whatever. He's old. I don't think he's really going to help the Heat that much. I tweeted out last night. You can follow me at Keystroker Grant. I tweeted out a poll. 
And it was kind of a, it was kind of a niche poll. And it was definitely speaking to hardcore NBA fans. Here's what I tweeted out. I said, Andre Iguodala's role on the Heat this postseason will be blank than Miritich's on the Bucks last year, bigger or smaller. 51 of the votes said bigger. 48 said smaller. A virtual tie, even though there's a little bit of a lean towards bigger. I don't think Andre Iguodala is actually going to play that many minutes. I don't think he's going to contribute that much. He's old. I think Andre Iguodala with the Heat is going to look a lot like Nikola Miritich with the Bucks last year. And don't get me wrong, if Andre Iguodala can give you a couple of minutes in a playoff game and hit a couple of big shots, if he makes the difference, then this trade is worth it a million times over. Sometimes it only takes that one guy to get hot. Fred Van Vliet did it for the Raptors last year. Mark Gasol was pretty good too. But I don't think he's that good. I don't think he's going to contribute that much because he's old as dirt. Draymond Green has been playing this year in Golden State without Steph, without Clay. It's just been him. And his play has taken a huge step down. A part of that is because he's aging. But another part is that, like, he is the focus of defenses. He has no shooting around him. He has no passing around him. And Draymond's been bad. Meanwhile, Andre Godala, who's older, who's played a lot more games than Draymond Green, has sat out the entire year. And I think part of that is strategic. Because I think if Andre, Andre Godala did play, he's been in Memphis. If he did play in Memphis this year, I think we'd look at him and go, man, without Stephen Clay, he's just kind of an old player. He's not that good. He's really worn down. And I think because he sat out all year, we forget how old he is. We forget that the last couple of years he's been injury prone and he's been in decline. But he's been on the Warriors, which makes any player look a lot better than they actually are. Draymond Green is the perfect example. Have you watched the Warriors this year? Draymond hasn't been that good. I give him credit for fighting through it and for, be, and, and, and for being a hard-nosed player, but his play and his statistics have taken a huge step back. He's been in decline. This Andre Iguodala move it, it serves a couple of purposes for Pat Riley in the Heat. Bringing in Andre Iguodala this year, I, I think, does help their team in some sense. I don't think it helps them as much as, as people are, are making it out to. But I think Pat Riley thinks in his heart of hearts that the Heat have a, a chance to win the East. A couple things go their way. Maybe somebody gets injured. They have a chance. I think Pat Riley believes that. So they brought in Andre Godala. They wanted to bring in Danilo Gallinari from the Oklahoma City Thunder. They just couldn't make it happen. If they would have made that move happen, it gets more interesting. But just Andre Godala, they have a chance. And if it's only a chance, that's good enough, right? Let's take a chance. Let's bring in Andre Godala. But just as important as bringing in Andre Godala, just as important as getting rid of Justice Winslow. I like Justice Winslow. I think he's a good player. I think he needs more touches. I think his best time in Miami is when he was handling the ball. The thing is, Justice Winslow's making a significant chunk of money. He's making about $13 million a year moving forward. I think just as important as bringing in Andre Iguodala is just as important as getting rid of Justice Winslow and getting his $13 million off of the books for the summer of 2021 because that's when Giannis is set to be a free agent. And we all know, it's no secret, that the Heat are going to pursue Giannis in free agency. And now Pat Riley has set it up to where not only do they have a player option for Andre Iguodala, they can say, hey Giannis, do you want Iggy or no? If you want him, we can resign him. If not, we can get rid of him. It's, it's a team option. It's perfect. Not only can they, can they use Iggy as a draw, but they don't have those $13 million sitting there for Justice Winslow. They're going to have Jimmy Butler and Space and Iguodala if they want it. And that's how you bring in Giannis. That's how they're going to try to bring in Giannis. And Pat Riley's a good recruiter. 
Pat Riley's connected. Pat Riley's got a championship pedigree as a coach and as a front office guy. Just as important as bringing in Iggy was getting that $13 million off of the books and getting Justice Winslow off the team, making space for some big free agency shots in 2021. Giannis is set to be a free agent, and so will Victor Oladipo. I think they'll go after those two players. Fascinating. I don't think it impacts the Bucs. The Heat are a good team. I don't think bringing in Iggy really boosts their chances that much. If the Heat are going to get out of these, they got to have some things go their way. They got to get a little bit lucky. And I, and I don't think Andre Goodall has anything to do with that. But adding a championship winner to your roster never hurts, just like when the Bucs added Pau Gasol last year, added George Hill, who'd played in a finals. Getting experience on your roster never hurts, even though I don't think he's going to contribute very much at all. He's 36. Look at how Draymond's play has declined this year without Steph and Clay. You think a 36-year-old Iguodala would have been balling out in Golden State or in Memphis? Nuh-uh. Not me. Can't see it. When we come back, I actually want to talk college basketball. I want to talk about the Wisconsin Badgers. They got housed last night in the barn, uh, but I'm told that's not a big deal because in the Big Ten, you don't win on the road. So let's talk about that coming up. We also have a new wrinkle to the Kobe King saga, which I don't want to dwell on, but I do want to pass that news along. We're also going to talk Lacrosse Central. They're playing a doubleheader against Logan. The, the girls game is going to be not only video streamed on our website, WK2iSports.com and on our mobile app, but also broadcast on WIZM, our sister station, 92.3 FM, 1410 AM. Drew Kelly should be hitting the mic here in less than 10 minutes for the girls game. And then the boys later tonight. We'll talk about Central and, and revisit something our guest, Evan Flood, had to say on Tuesday. Because I agree. I know Drew Kelly agrees. We'll talk about that. A lot to get to before 6 o'clock. Don't go anywhere. The Wisco Sports Show, back in a moment here on WKTY. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. I am your host. Thanks for hanging out. Hope you're having a great night. If you are looking for coverage of Central Basketball, it's actually over on our sister station tonight, WIZM, 92.3 FM, 1410 AM. Doubleheader. So Drew Kelly will bring you both the girls game, which will be starting here in about 10 minutes, and the boys game, which, of course, will probably start just after 7 o'clock. Video stream with Drew's voice and the scoreboard and the clock and everything you need uh, at WK2iSports.com and on our mobile app, thanks to Firefighters Credit Union. We've been talking about the trade deadline. It's been the weirdest, most awkward trade deadline in the last couple of years, and there aren't a lot of moves that directly impact the Bucks. One that might, the Sixers bringing in a couple of shooters, the Heat bringing in Andre Iguodala. I don't think those, those moves do a ton, but they're interesting, and we talked about them for a few minutes, but for the most part, a lot of the contending teams, top of the West, top of the East, stood pat for the most part. So we're going to move on, and the Bucks obviously not making any moves. Otherwise, we'd be talking about that, too. So we're going to move on. I want to talk about Wisconsin basketball, the Badgers, which I don't typically do because I'm going to be honest, I don't really watch a lot of college basketball. And since Kobe King has left the Badgers, I, I, I man, my interest has basically disappeared. It basically has. I loved watching Kobe King. I wanted to see what kind of player he'd become. I, I, I loved watching him at Central. I was in high school two years uh, uh, before Kobe King, right? So I saw him play a couple of, against a couple of my friends when Menominee and Lacrosse Central would match up in some out-of-conference games. And he was fun to watch. And I had friends who played against him and, and talked about how great he was. And, and he was so fast and he was so explosive. And I loved watching him at Wisconsin. And it was a bummer when he left. And I don't really have a reason to watch Wisconsin. And college basketball to me is boring. It's not as good as the NBA. There are no superstars. There's no drama. I need a great team or great players to get me engaged. 
does that make me a bandwagon fan? Maybe. I'll, I'll live with it. That's fine. I need a great team. I need a great player. I need something. I can't sit down and watch a random game on a Tuesday night between DePaul and, and, and Wake Forest and just be expected to enjoy it. I, I can't do it. I don't expect you to agree if you like college basketball. Hell yeah. I like March Madness because that's a quantity over quality situation. But regular season college basketball, I it's lost on me sometimes. So Wisconsin beat Michigan State on Saturday without Kobe King, without Brad Davison. I believe they only had seven scholarship players available to suit up and play that game, which is pretty wild. The fact that they knocked off a team that wants to contend for a national title, Tom Izzo's Michigan State Spartans. And we had a couple of uh, a couple of people making a big deal after that game, right? I, I was not one of them. I saw that the Badgers won. I said, cool, nice. They had an electric atmosphere at the Kohl's Center. Good for Coach Guard for rallying his team after a pretty hectic week. Great. The Badgers beat Michigan State, and everybody went crazy. And I saw David Scrady's poll question. He was on Monday or Tuesday morning where they said, are the Badgers better without Kobe King? Well, absolutely not. They beat Michigan State, but Kobe King was their leading scorer in conference play. He was near the top of the team in minutes. No, they're not better without Kobe King. And we know that. It was an interesting question to ask. And and speaking of Kobe King, for all of you who who think that he's a quitter, you want to hate on him for leaving the program, did you see the news that came out today? Did you see the news that came out today? That Eric Helland, the director of strength and conditioning at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, he was being investigated uh, as of last night or this morning for using a racial slur in the presence of the team and in front of Kobe King. Yeah, and he resigned today. So I, I can't imagine that investigation was going to take very long. It sounded like he was guilty uh, of those accusations and he is stepping down. Wisconsin Athletics put out a statement. If you want to read more about it, you can do so at Twitter. We tweeted out the link at WKTY and on our website, WKTYsports.com. I don't really want to talk more about it, but just so you know, if you want to hate on Kobe and call him a quitter and blame him for leaving, there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. And that's just another detail that came out today. Back to college basketball. College basketball as a whole, and especially the Big Ten, has just been really boring and really predictable this year. Really boring and really predictable. The one part of college basketball that hasn't been predictable is whatever team is number one. I don't even know who is number one right now. Baylor? Because they keep losing. Like, Duke was number one, they lost. Kentucky was number one, they lost. I think Louisville might have been number one and lost. I I don't care, now it's Baylor. Like, nobody, there's not one dominant team. There's not one dominant player. And I think that's hurting college basketball. It's certainly not getting me interested to watch because I don't know any of these teams. I don't know any of these players. Because as soon as you think a team is number one or a team is elite, they lose. As soon as you think Michigan State is elite, they lose. It's just been, it's been predictable and it's been boring. The Badgers lost to Minnesota last night. Not only did they lose, they got killed. They got slaughtered in their first game after beating the Michigan State Spartans on Saturday, despite being without probably their two best players, Kobe King and Brad Davison. They just beat Michigan State, but that was at home. Here's what's annoying to me about the Big Ten, is the home and away splits are absolutely ridiculous. So Maryland's on top of the Big Ten. They're 13 and 13 and zero at home. Illinois is number two. They're 12 and one at home. Michigan State, 10 and two at home. They're number three. Penn State right behind them. They're 11 and one at home. Iowa, 11 and one when playing at home. What is that? Carver Hawkeye Arena. They're 11 and one at their home arena. Rutgers is undefeated at home, 15 and one. Purdue, 
10 and 2, and they just hung 100 on Iowa the other night. Unreal. The Gophers are 10 and 2 at home. Indiana's 12 and 2 at home. Badgers are 10 and 1. I or Ohio State's 11 and 2, and then as you get near the bottom of the conference, Michigan's just bad. They're 8 and 4 at home. Nebraska's 5 and 7, and Northwestern's 4 and 8. And you think, "Wow, there's some really good teams." And yeah, Maryland's really good. Illinois is really good. Michigan State, Penn State, Iowa, they're good teams. The away splits are embarrassing. Maryland's 2 and 4 on the road. Illinois is 500. Michigan State, 500. Penn State somehow with a winning record on the road. They're 4 and 3. I was 3 and 4 on the road. Rutgers, who are undefeated, they're 15 and 0 at home. They're 1 and 5 on the road. Purdue 2 and 6 on the road outside of West Lafayette. Minnesota's 1 and 7 away from the barn. Indiana's 1 and 5 outside of Bloomington. Wisconsin's 3 and 6 outside the Kohl Center and so on and so forth down the list you go. I was talking to Ebo, who is a, who is a morning show host on our Sister Station, The Zone in Madison, and, and I like to have him on this show. Uh, we play video games together from time to time because we are both, uh, well, we're both just lame. We got nothing better to do. And we, I was talking, and I'm like, Ebo, like, nobody in the Big Ten can win a game away from home. And he's like, yeah, it's the way the Big Ten is. Like, it's, like it's a, a source of pride. It's something to hang your hat on. Dude, how is it that the ninth-ranked team in the country is 2-4 and four on the road? How is it that Rutgers, that's 15-1 and one in their home arena, has only one win on the road? Like, go and look at the home and away splits of the Big Ten. It's unreal. And, and that conversation with Ebo and a couple other college basketball fans who I've talked to, it's like, yeah, nobody's winning on the road in the Big Ten. Well, then why are we playing these games? Like, I, that's how I feel. I lack meaning in college basketball games. I don't feel a sense of importance. I don't feel a sense of urgency. Because when March rolls around, that's when the games matter. Why am I watching Wisconsin go to the barn last night if days removed from beating Michigan State without their best two players, they get housed. They can't even compete. And they only had to drive what? What is it from Madison? Four hours to the Twin Cities? Just up 94? It's not like it's a long road trip. Not like it's a lot of travel. It's a four-hour bus ride. And they got housed after beating Tom Izzo in Michigan State a couple of days earlier. Just why are we even watching or playing these games? If they're all going to fall with the home team, then just simulate the games and let's get to March. That's how I feel. And that may be a really pessimistic way to look at college basketball. And that might make me a hater. That might make me a bandwagon fan of Wisconsin. But if you're like me, you only have so much time. Like I, I only have, I need to watch the Bucks. I need to watch the rest of the NBA, especially this time of year on the trade deadline. I need to watch the NFL, which just wrapped up. We got to start paying attention to the Brewers in spring training. We only have so much time. And everything is vying for our attention. Every sports league, politics right now is vying for our attention. Every streaming platform, all the the content on YouTube and through platforms like The Ringer. And then, of course, you have ESPN and Fox, your more traditional networks. Everyone wants our attention as a consumer. And you want me to put my valuable time into watching Wisconsin get housed or watching Iowa, who, by the way, is the 17th ranked team in the country, and they they give up 100 just because they have to go to West Lafayette, just because they have to play in Mackey? I'm not going to waste my time. Just simulate the games. Let's get to March. That's how I feel. That's how I feel. Sorry. I am much more interested in Mississippi Valley Conference basketball. I'm much more interested in Central and on Alaska and the Aquinas girls than I am in the Wisconsin men's basketball team, especially since Kobe King said, see ya. I want to talk about Central, and I want to revisit. I, I, I think Central has an issue. 
It's not a huge issue, and they're going to win a lot of games, and, and they're going to beat Logan tonight. But I do think they have an issue. Evan Flood, our Wisconsin insider, our guest, brought it up on Tuesday. Drew Kelly brought it up on Wednesday when I talked to him on a, during a commercial break. I think Central has an issue. I'll explain coming up next, provide some context, provide some evidence before we wrap up the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Grant Bills. We've talked trade deadline today. Talked about the Badgers. Just briefly talked about the strength and conditioning coach that is now resigned. We've covered it all in, in the world of basketball so far. If you want to catch yourself up on what you've missed, go to WKTYsports.com or on our mobile app. Podcast will be right there just a couple minutes after 6 o'clock. Before we say goodbye, I, I want to talk a little bit about Central Basketball. I love Lacrosse Central. I love On Alaska. I love all of the basketball that I'm lucky enough to watch and cover through my job in this area because there's so many good players and so many good teams and the fans show up and the energy is awesome and I feel very, very lucky that part of my job is going to watch some of these games and to cover some of these games. I want Central or On Alaska or one of these teams to win state. I don't think I'm a bigger fan of Central or of On Alaska. We talk more about Lacrosse Central because they have bigger names because Johnny Davis and Jordan Davis are going to Wisconsin. On Alaska is rather boring. They're really, really good, and they have some really, really good players, but they're rather boring. Central is a little bit more interesting to talk about, especially for people who may not go to Central or On Alaska games, because we can talk about Johnny Davis through the lens of a future Wisconsin Badger. I think Lacrosse Central has a problem. Evan Flood mentioned this on Tuesday. Drew Kelly, the voice of local sports, who is calling all of these Central games and on Alaska games, he mentioned this on Wednesday. We're looking at box scores. I think Central is becoming so reliant on Johnny Davis. They are so reliant on Johnny Davis. And this is a trend that started in Florida in that Monteverde Invitational or, 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 or tournament. Johnny scored 27 against South Miami. Then he went for 37 against Long Island Lutheran. He went for 26 against Holman, which is honestly all that was needed. Those minutes were very low. Then they asked him for 42 against Minnehaha and then 36 against Aquinas. And when the season started, he was scoring 25, 26, 21 games, 27 points. But now you're seeing numbers 42, 36, 32, getting up there, 44. They're going to him more, and they're becoming more Johnny Davis dominant. And Evan Flood, I thought, pointed out this concern. I asked him, if Central wants to beat some of these teams, because they lost to Long Island Lutheran, lost to Scotland, Scotlandville, lost to Minnehaha Academy. They're right there, and they're challenging themselves with really good teams. But I said, Evan, if they want to beat some of these elite teams, what do they have to do? They need to be more balanced and get Johnny Davis some help. I mean, Johnny's been phenomenal in a lot of these games. We mentioned the 42 against Minnehaha um, and I had 30-something out there in Florida, and I think 28 the game before that. They're, they're not giving him uh, a ton of support. And, and I thought the uh, loss of Noel Parcher last year would be one of the, the bigger ones in the state that maybe didn't go as, as talked about. Because you look at what he gave them uh, in, in big games last season. I, mean, I went to the second on Alaska meeting yeah. uh, in, the, in the regular season. He, he made critical plays for, for them on Alaska Central beat and Noel Parcher was one of those guys that stepped up. I know they didn't beat Washington, but a big reason they had that lead late was because of Parcher just being a senior and hitting timely shots. 
um, and, and big shots that, that maybe he hadn't hit, you know, throughout the course of the season. That, that was just a kid stepping up. I don't think they have that, that presence necessarily. Um, and you go back to the first meeting with, with on Alaska where, where Johnny had a great game. I, I forget how much he finished with, but, but he was in the 30s. And, and then the drop, the, the statistical drop-off was noticeable. Uh, in, in the box score, and I don't know if they can get past a team like on Alaska, who's probably uh, you know they're number one right now because they beat Central, but yeah. probably the second best and most talented, or at least most talented team that, that Central is going to face the rest of the season, and maybe their biggest. I'm sure their biggest obstacle to winning the state championship, but but they can't beat a team like that with Johnny going one on five, and you know part of it is you know they they've got some young pieces. Uh, that, that are still learning and, and still need to get, you know, valuable crunch time reps. And I'm sure that trip to Florida is going to pay dividends. I'm sure that mini haha game is going to pay dividends for, you know, their, their role players, uh, Noah Compton, the, the freshman, and I, I forget the name of the point guard uh, this year that, that's taken over, but I like Devon him. Field, Devon Fielding. Yeah, and he's made some positive steps and, and able to do some things. That's Evan Flood on Tuesday. He used he used a phrase. He said they need to get Johnny Davis some help. Need to get Johnny Davis some help. Well, I think the players, the help is around Johnny Davis. Terrence Thompson is is not only a great player, but he's much improved the last two years. He's shown the ability to work on his jump shot, to work on his touch, to work on his ball handling. He is he gets better every single year. And Jordan Davis, by the way, do people forget that Jordan Davis is going to Wisconsin next year? He defended Jalen Suggs last Saturday, and actually, I thought did a pretty good job. And offensively was pretty good, too. I thought he was a spark at times. Noah Coppin and Devon Fielding, I think, have contributed at times this year. What Central needs to do is find a way to maximize Terrence Thompson and to maximize Jordan Davis because the support is there for Johnny. The supporting cast is there. They need to figure out how to scheme up opportunities for Terrence Thompson and for Jordan Davis and and, and not get Johnny help, but do a better job supporting him. Because when Johnny Davis is trying to do his thing, there's a lot of standing around, right? And when you have a player that great, there's a tendency to want to get out of his way. And I understand that. But at some point, a team is going to come up with a good game plan to slow Johnny Davis up just enough. And that needs to be the moment where Coach Todd Fergan and that team can say, okay, we're going to go to some of this stuff for Jordan. We're going to go to some of this stuff for Terrence. That's what needs to happen. Johnny Davis is, is on a tear. But if they want to beat good teams like on Alaska, and if they're lucky enough to advance past on Alaska into the state tournament if they want to beat teams like Milwaukee, Washington, and they fell to last year, they need to be a little bit more balanced. We'll continue to talk about this tomorrow. Central tonight, you can listen on our sister station, WIZM, and watch our video stream at WKTYsports.com and on our mobile app. The girls' game is going as we speak. It's the rematch from the buzzer beater game a couple of weeks ago, and then the boys' game will follow starting shortly after at a little bit after 7 o'clock. Video stream provided by Firefighters Credit Union. You can hear Drew Kelly on our sister station. Have an awesome rest of your night. Enjoy some local basketball. Enjoy some Central and Logan Crosstown Rivalry Basketball. I'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. Talk to you then.